Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Arms Boom and Leg Project coming to you live from beautiful Lambsburg, Ontario at the Little Heart Social Studios. My name is Arms. This is episode 20 of season two. It's a pretty big milestone here on the show this evening. Um, you know, when I started the show a year ago, um, I was saying to my wife today, I didn't think I would ever crack a mic again. I thought those days were long behind me, but I decided to get the show going. It's been a year to the day, actually. So we're celebrating a year anniversary. And I had like this laundry list of people I knew I wanted to talk to. People I knew that I think the audience would appreciate that we had. People that I knew that um, I certainly hope that in my career and, and, and through the years that you got to know the authenticity behind those relationships. Uh, so the list was long. And during this past year, we've had a lot of different guests here on the show. Uh, Steve Bell. Bill Mara, Jan Kaffer, um, some folks that you may not be familiar with, Stephanie Lianga, uh, Don and Joe Marchand, uh, Ian and Chantel uh, Macri from Fight Like Mason. Uh, this show is about Windsor-Essex and about the people who make up this awesome region that we're in. The very top of that list for me was somebody that, as I describe that list, I get goosebumps about because the guy was very much a father figure to me for many years, but he's also been a mentor and somebody that I honestly can say uh, was one of the few people that really lived up to the hype. He was somebody that uh, I consider a good friend and uh, working wasn't working when you got to spend time with him. So I am excited on this year anniversary to welcome to the show live for you in our audience. And we hope that you comment and you hope that you join the conversation. An amazing guy, Mr. Jim Crichton, who is joining us on the project. Brother, good to see I, you, my man. How are you? Hi, Arms. Great to be with you. Thank you for that buildup. I, I hope I can uh, deliver on it. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. Oh, brother. It, I, geez, I... You know, I, I got to tell you, we got so many, so much ground to cover tonight. And I, I usually say this with the folks who join us on the show. Um, you know, we've got things to talk about. Your career, I want to talk about. You, I want to, Pat, I mean, God, it's been, first of all, how are you enjoying retirement, my man? You know, it's been almost six months. Uh, that's hard to hard for me to believe. And uh, I'll be very honest, I would say the first three or four months, I was having a hard time getting traction. I felt a bit unproductive. I was waking up every day with no place to go. <laughs> uh, like yourself, I enjoy broadcasting. And, uh, you know, every day around 2 o'clock, I knew where I had to go. I showered and shaved and headed into CTV uh, at the Bell Building on Goyo. And I missed that, and I missed the people I worked with. But I am finding my own way. Uh, retirement's not all that bad, you know. And, uh, I, uh, for example, here's what I did today. Uh, got up. Uh, got my old car out of storage. A friend had been storing it at his uh, pole barn in Emeryville. Pat drove me there. Then I took a little drive in the country with my old 66 Chrysler. And uh, I was saying to my good friend, Dan Nada, uh, I hadn't seen this car in six months. Uh, we put it up in December and here it is uh, the end of May. And it's great to see it again. It's like yourself. It's like a, a long lost friend or an old friend. Uh, you're being reunited and you're saying, boy, this is good. And in the case of this, boy, this is a great car. I can't wait to drive it. I can't wait to take it to Chatham and Retrofest and uh, yada. Uh, you know, I, I talk too much about old cars, but that's what I can talk about now. I don't have to uh, confine myself to broadcasting anymore. Yeah, I think that's one of the resounding um, marks that you've left, not only locally, but with people in the public too. It's like, 
you know, when I came by your place a couple of weeks ago to work on a project that I know we're working together on, you know, people will still stop me and ask me, I mean, geez, it's been like six years since we worked together and they will ask about you. They will ask about your classic cars. They'll ask about the pacer. <laughs> right? And, and it's, I think it's a testament because I remember every time we would have stories on the news and, and, and you would be at the desk. I always said to people, I said, you knew it was going to be a good show when we were working together, when you were behind the desk, because you were the captain and you were going to drive us right to the, to the shoreline was that six fifty nine, seven o'clock, the show's done at least for us at six. And when you, when Jim was at the desk, you knew we were in for uh, the news. We, we were going to get it from a trusted source. We were going to, we we're going to hear it from Jim. But when you, when you talked about those, those, those stories about Chrysler and, and, and the automotive industry and, and, some of those um, unique stories. I remember there was a story that Michelle Molesky did many years ago about uh, a gentleman who was restoring in a very, very um, rare classic car. And I remember your face lighting up. I'd be sitting over near the green screen. I'd be watching on the monitor and your face would light up. So I know that passion is there for that classic car culture that, I mean, you love you love it. You're, you're so involved in it. I remember that story too that Michelle did. I believe it was uh, a very old Dodge, maybe one of the first sold in Canada. And, uh, you know, TV's a uh, visual medium, but uh, like yourself, coming from a radio background, I'm always tuned into the sound. And I remember in the case of that, uh, Michelle showed us the simple images of the car moving down the street, but it was the sound of that great old engine. Uh, I think it was a four-cylinder engine. It may have been a, a six, but just the sound of the clickety-clack, the valve train moving, and uh, <laughs> any old car person would say that's worth the price of admission. I laugh. Uh, uh I've got a significant number of cold car friends. They don't turn the radio on. They listen to the, the engine running when they're driving. That's the treat. <laughs> they listen to the purr, right? Yeah. The purr of the beast underneath the hood. So, well, I mean, it's nice to see that, you know, retirement is treating you well. Um, I, I know that there are a lot of people watching the show and they're going to be listening to this after the fact, anxious to hear from you. Um, let's talk, let's go back to the very beginning. I know, um, over the years we've break, broken bread and we've talked about your beginnings in, in, in the realm of radio. How did you get your start, Jim, for those people who aren't familiar with, you know, where you've been with your career right across this country? I, first of all, I want to start with a fairly recent past, then we'll go back to the beginning, but I want to give you a shout out arms too, because it was a wonderful, how long did we work together? Was it five years, eight years? Uh, it seemed like a weekend. It was yeah. like, it was like, I remember, I never was lucky enough to work at Chum, Chum Radio, but I remember a colleague who did saying every day was a Friday at Chum. Uh, I would say the same, every day we were working together, it was, you kept it fun. Look, I'm a straight man. I'm the straight guy. You brought the salt and pepper and the humor to the show. Uh, viewers will remember, and I, I probably talk about this too much, but one particular episode stands out to me, and that's the night when that Gangnam Style song was so popular. And you had a, you had a twinkle in your eye that night, but the, the, the magic, and, and I, learned, uh, I learned a lot about television from you, my friend. You knew how to um, keep your powder dry. You didn't uh, let the cat out of the bag until it was time. Anyway, you had done your forecast that night. It was from the Sculpture Garden on the, the beautiful Windsor Riverfront. And uh, people were familiar with that song, certainly. And that's that's part of it, too. It has to be contemporary. It has to be topical, or it would be right over your head. Anyway, uh, so Arms did the weather that night. And then he's wrapping up, throwing back to me. And then he does a Gangnam style across the um, across the uh, the sculpture garden with the camera still hot. And I, I 
had a difficult time continuing after that because you had me in stitches. <laughs> and and that that is the magic. And you cottoned onto that very quickly. My role, all I had to do was react and be the straight guy. You were working double time, uh, not only to do the weather, but to, to bring humor and personality to the show. And uh, it takes two, baby, as they say, it takes two. Oh, God bless you. I, I, I remember Laurie, our assignment producer um, and show producer, would sometimes ask me to discuss bits with you ahead of time. And I knew quickly, l- listen, when Adrian Bateman, our, our original news director who brought me on board way back when during the A-Channel days, pulled me aside and said, listen, um, there might be an opening for a weather specialist on the show. I got to be I got to be honest. And you know this. And I've said this to you many times. I, I am huge. I, I watched, you know, a a channel. I watched you. I was very much awestruck by you. I think there's like good broadcasters in the city. And then there's the gold standard, which is Jim. And when I had that opportunity, I think we met through the gala circuit in the early 2000s. Um, when I had that opportunity to work with you, uh, I I, I said, you work with a lot of people during your career. And as you know, broadcast is a very different business. Uh, when you have somebody as good and as it comes from a good place like like Jim, like Jim said, you, you get to just kind of, you're like buddy cops, right? <laughs> like, we're on the same beat. We've been doing it for years and we're happy to do it. So, uh, Well, it, it's when you know you can depend on the other person. And yes. just going back to something you said, um, I'm not pretending to be Jackie Gleason or anything, but one thing I picked up, watching watching the great Gleason and what I read and what I understand of him, he didn't like to rehearse the heck out of something because that would take all the, uh, the spontaneity and all the fun of it. He, he liked to have uh, with his old Jackie Gleason show, which is very different than the news, of course, uh, but he had a sense of where he wanted to take the show, what he wanted to do, and left it at that. He kept it fresh. He'd come out and do it. And uh, I, I, I like that approach. So I was never one, even from a news standpoint, to read the news over and over and over again before I read it to the viewers. I like to think that, let's discover this together. Obviously, I needed to know what was in the newscast and where it was going. But other than that, I like to react the way you would, Arms, the way a viewer would when a news clip came up and showed us something. I hadn't gone through that before. I So if it was something shocking or surprising, mm-hmm. I was shocked and surprised just as the viewer was. Uh, we experienced it together. And I think that's the great power of television. You have to know where you're going with it, but you don't can it. You you leave it breathing and, and it's a living medium. And I, I think uh, respectfully where we enjoyed success was we liked each other, we trusted each other, and we kept it fresh that way. I um, I go back to, I think it was probably 2016, 2015, late 2015, 2016, um, before I got hitched. Um, you know, we were doing the show and I think I call it like the Detroit close where we were lucky enough to Bob was officially doing sports at the desk. And, you know, we would, we would always end the show with you helming the ship and, you know, Bob would have the sports and then I would do like, here's your seven day for it. We call it the Detroit close is most of the Detroit stations would be doing it, right? You have sports news and the weather guy on the, at the, uh, the desk. And I remember I always used to take great pride in trying to segue out of that last kicker story and make it make sense to the forecast and try to get a laugh out of you when appropriate. And uh, I remember my mother-in-law at the time, or my mother-in-law, soon to be mother-in-law at the time, she goes, she goes, I, you can always tell when Jim knows, right? You've got, you're going to swing. I said, listen, I'll swing and I'll try to get a, I'll try to get a hit for Jim. Sometimes they're a hit, sometimes they're not, but we'll go, go ahead with it. And I think that was, that was the beauty of, of, of what we did. And I, I, I will say this for folks who are watching and listening to the show, you know, 
I've said many times during this particular program, I said my best broadcast days were with Jim at the desk. And, um, you know, I, I just think that you've meant so much to the city, Jim, and it, it's just a pleasure to have you on the program and to to kind of dive in with your history, because I think you, as people are commenting here on LinkedIn and on Facebook, Joseph saying uh, Jim's face and voice are missed beyond belief in this area. So well, a lot of a uh, lot of love for you, my man. Well, likewise, Arms, and and I'd be remiss if I didn't say, uh, and I'm throwing props back at you again. I, I don't want this to be a, you know, a mutual admiration society because that's not what you were looking for. <laughs> but but I'm always asked about you. Have you spoken to Arms lately? What's he up to? W where is he at? And of course, since you disappeared from the radio airwaves, uh, thankfully you've reinvented yourself here as a podcaster, which is terrific. Something I don't know much about, but might get into at some point. But this gives your viewers and your listeners a, a, a chance to tap into you. You're very active in social media. I'm not. Uh, I'll be candid with you. Um, it was my inability really to keep up with social media that kind of led me to think maybe it's maybe it's time. You know, I've had a very good run at this. I, I tended to be a newspaper, radio, and television guy. The old media, if you will. Each of which is still with us and still very strong. Still very uh, providing an important service and a different service. Uh, but added to that, and St. Clair College is very good at this. There's courses in this. This is teaching podcasting, social media. Uh, Dan McDonald was teaching a course in podcasting when I was uh, uh, helping out with the journalism school for a couple of years, a few years back. This is something I know little about and uh, should know more about. But uh, I like doing the news at 6 and 11. I, I was less interested in tweeting and, uh, and doing Facebook stuff. But I'm not knocking it. It's just not for me. Uh, I think the fact that I'm into old cars gives you a pretty good idea where I'm coming from. Yeah. Kind of not locked in the 60s, but but very fond of the 60s and the 70s. Well, I think there's something to be said to that. I think there's it's that goes. I mean, we can talk about the the pluses and the minuses, and there's lots of minuses on social media. Um, it's, you know, less it's more. And this is a guy that, you know, breathes social media. Sometimes it's like you know, get it out there. Don't worry about if it's right or if it's true versus, you know, compile like you taught us, right? Get your sources in line, make sure it's factual, get every side of the story and then present it in a professional manner. A manner. Well, um, look, look, I made uh, plenty of mistakes along the way. I was in radio for 24, 25 years. I worked for Broadcast News Canadian Press for two years. And uh, gee, I thought I was a pretty good writer uh, until I hit the quarter century mark and I got some schooling. I, uh, worked with people who were much better writers than me and much better at um, writing, you know, saying you're sticking your neck out here. We have to make sure uh, the facts are the underpinnings here. So uh, I think you're wise if you if you recognize that uh, what we're doing is is imperfect and we can always improve on it. And I want to say this also, we're standing on the shoulders. I'm standing on the shoulders of those who came before uh, in my final broadcast. You know, I had 90 seconds in which I said goodbye. I endeavored to thank those who I had never thanked, and they are legions, uh, some of whose names uh, wouldn't be known to people in the Windsor-Essex uh, uh, County market, but people who provided me with the right guidance. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had the 47-year career that I did. So I've been, I've been lucky. I worked with some good people who guided me and, and told me where I was wrong and told me what I did well as well. Uh, Jim Crichton is my guest tonight. He's just an awesome dude. He's a good friend of mine, and I'm honored to have him celebrate uh, one year of doing this show. 
Um, and you, it's funny, the podcast stuff, man, like I just make it up as I go. <laughs> like, I, I say to Carrie, I'm like, she goes, what are you going to talk to Jim about tonight? Ah, it's Jim. Maybe crack open something. We'll crack open a couple of drinks and just kind of shoot the breeze. But I just make it up as we go. And you're right. You know, you just kind of reinvent yourself and, and do things. But you talk about mistakes and, you know, I, I, let it be known here on the show and to people who listen to this particular program or watch it that um, if I could go back in my many years in doing radio and television here locally, uh, I certainly I, I, I just want to know, I, I would have loved to round out the end of my career with you. I think, um, you know, when I when I had made a jump uh, in 2017, at the time, I thought it was a, a good, a good move. Um, quickly realized that I missed working with you. Uh, and I know things kind of went downhill with uh, my son's health at the time after yes. we had given um, after Liam was born. And I quick story, um, I was doing some reporting on the street in East Windsor and I hadn't talked to Jim in several months since I had made the jump. And uh, Jim drove by and then, you know, stopped and talked to me, um, talked to me about Liam, talked to me about Carrie, how's everything doing? You know, I'll never forget that. You know, I say that often to, to my family. I said, that's what kind of man he is. That's the type of person he is. And I think that has solidified my choice to say, this is somebody that I definitely want to continue to be friends with and, and learn from and respect. And um, I think that permeates who you are as an individual. Right. I think I think you, you you really do lead with your heart. And that is a rare commodity, my man. Well, thank you. Arms. I, I, you know, you've heard the expression radio silence. I don't know if this is the way it was meant, but there had been a, a bit of a radio silence between you and me for some months, maybe 18 months. And uh, I was driving down Wyandotte Street and you were there with a the crew uh, preparing to do an interview. And I drove by. And I went a couple of blocks. And I said, going back, we haven't spoken. Mm -hmm. And I remember we embraced uh, in, I, I believe it was the parking lot of uh, Canada Trust. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was it, suddenly, as with the best of friends, as with old friends, uh, any differences, uh, any time factor melts away. When it's good, it's good. And I felt, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that it was important to you because it was important to me. It was a bit of unfinished business between the two of us, and I just couldn't bear it. Uh, you were a frequent topic of conversation, and uh, as I mentioned a, a short time ago, people are always asking, and it pained me to say, "Well, I haven't seen him in a while. We haven't spoken." And then somebody would say, "But you're good. You guys are good buddies, right?" And I'd say, "Yeah." Well, uh, and then how come you're you're uh, not communicating? Yeah. Anyway, we are tonight, and that's that's righteous, and I'm glad we're doing it. Uh, it's just it's a testament to you, man, as uh, as not only a friend, but as somebody who, again, leads with their heart. So I appreciate it more than, you know, um, you know, let's rewind the clock because <laughs> your stories in broadcast, though, through the years have been a source of inspiration <laughs> for me because you've got some stories, even like with the, the voice, you know, like I remember listening to you on AM 800 when they started to do the simulcast too, even long before I left Bell Media. And I thought, my God, like Jim's got a he's got a great voice. Like I knew it, but it's one thing to, to see it, but to hear it on, 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 on radio, it's different. But I mean, that's where you've got, you, you kind of got the pipes going, right? You're a radio guy as well. Well, it's not me. It's God given. And I, I say that it's God given. And I, it was a blessing that I had the parents that I did who provided constructive criticism. Uh, my parents were both from the British Isles and they grew up watching the, uh, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. 
And uh, my father was critical, constructively critical. If he heard me say something that wasn't quite right, it was promptly corrected. That had to do with grammar and syntax. And uh, my my first uh, midnight newscast uh, at CHOW in Welland, Ontario, a thousand watt station near my hometown. Uh, they never should have let me on the air again after that broadcast. It was uh, it was terrible. And uh, my dad recorded on a cassette. It has to exist someplace, but. Uh, if I'm lucky, it'll be sealed in a in a vault. And I uh, it wasn't so much uh, the way I read as the speed at which I read. Uh, you would have thought somebody was chasing me with hounds. And uh, the impression the listener would get was this guy is very uncomfortable and he can't wait for this to be over. And that's exactly the way it was. And I would say this too also uh, with respect when you comment on the voice. I would say it's like a carpenter swinging a hammer, uh, building a table. Uh, you, either you, you, you get good at it or you stop doing what you're doing. And I just stayed with it. I claim no special gift other than, than what is God-given, but I worked with it. I wasn't a quitter. I'll say that. Uh, I wanted to apply myself. I got that from my parents once again. So if I was going to do radio, I was going to stay with it and at least give it a fair shake. Though there was a number of times in the first two years I worked where I seriously thought it was time to give it up. It, it certainly wasn't that we were being overpaid, as you know, to do what we were doing. And uh, I was very uncertain what I was doing. Uh, your parents will always love you. They'll always provide encouragement. But it's how your, your listenership, how your viewership sees you. And I was struggling. Uh, and I felt um, after I moved to Windsor many years later and started this broadcast in 2000, I certainly had my share of deer in the headlights moments as well. And I had to believe in myself. I had to believe in the craft and work at it. And know, as my dad would always say, Rome wasn't built in a day. You got to stay with it. And uh, you can't expect to be expert at playing the guitar the first time you pick it up. And you can't expect to be expert at broadcasting after the first week on the radio. Speaking of coming to Windsor, I... <laughs> I remember, you know, back during the A Channel days and certainly A News, and then we did the whole CTV flip, and then we went from, my gosh, I, I was going through some of our old stuff. I mean, when you announced your retirement, um, I knew I wanted to do something for you on social media, so I was going through a lot of the stuff I kept. You were very and, kind, by the way, very kind. Ah, my God. I, I said to Carrie, I'm like, she, she's the one who told me. She's like, you know, Jim's announcing his retirement. I said, oh, I go, Okay. Um, I know you and I were kind of going for lunch before the pandemic and then obviously pandemic happens. We kind of put a stop to that and then, you know, kind of slowly gauging everyone's comfort levels. But I said, you know, this is the least I can do to somebody who's, again, who's really been like a father figure to a lot of us, but been Windsor News. But, you know, we were, I was going through a lot of the stuff and I, I'm like looking at just our time, the years that we spent on Oletten University. And like I was only there for a short time of that. Uh, but I remember, you know, they stick me outside, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the, on the street doing the, the weather hits from the street. And then, you know, you were standing at the glass doing the anchoring the news. And then we move over to the bell building. And I think there was a 2013 and the whole renovation there. And it's been a bit of a journey, I think for the, for the local newscast, right? I mean, even from just Olet and university all the way to Goya, where it's at, mm -hmm. when the, that new facility and, I think you've you've experienced it all being in that particular studio setting. That was my first home as a TV broadcaster. And it was, as you'll remember, it was the new WI. It was News Now at that time, the new WI, standing for Windsor, of course. 
And Moses Neimer put the station on the air. And uh, viewers that are familiar with City TV will know that Moses was the uh, the uh, godfather, if you will, the cognoscenti behind City TV. And he worked for uh, Mr. Alan Waters of the Chum Group. And uh, Moses Neimer has forgotten more about broadcasting than most broadcasters know. Uh, we would not be on the air in Windsor without his guidance. I had the pleasure of meeting him, not immediately, but a number of years later, uh, when he was involved with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, CARP, and he had come to Windsor to speak. And uh, I believe it was at the Kaboto Club. We met briefly, took a photograph, and chatted. Uh, but uh, they, they said back in the day, uh, you didn't get hired unless Moses looked at your air check. And I don't know if that was true or not, but I like to think that was because he was a great broadcaster. So just as you were heaping some praise here, uh, I, I, I uh, was very grateful at the suggestion that Moses had looked at my tape favorably, decided I was good enough to work on his station. And whether that was true or not, uh, I got the job. And uh, down at University of Olette, uh, viewers <clears throat> will remember, we used to be on our feet at that time, uh, standing next mm -hmm. to a plasma. And that's funny, almost every TV station around the world does that now. Uh, many have abandoned the anchor desk. And I like to think that we were among the first. Uh, my father and I were on a trip to Scotland, and uh, he said, well, they're doing it with, uh, with uh, you know, ITV and the BBC now as well. I said, well, I don't think they were the last time we were here. I think they maybe got that from, uh, from Chum. But anyway, uh, be that as the case, I mean, Lester Holt now often stands behind uh, uh, next to a plasma, and now, <laughs> now uh, my last job was at the anchor desk. So CTV had a different vision of things, but it was a great vision. It made us look very professional. Uh, I, I, I suppose if I can say this respectfully, uh, before that, we also we always had a look that maybe we're a little bit uh, a bargain basement. But CTV gave us a great look. They gave us a, an anchor desk. They standardized the look with all other stations. Uh, the desk that I was at is the same as the one Lisa LaFlamme reported from. Uh, Marcia McMillan, people like that. Sandy Ronaldo. So uh, it gave us a sense that we were in good company. Uh, it took us up to the next level. And then the move to the Bell Building uh, did more of that. Though, I, I like yourself, I, I have a fond memory of, uh, of uh, University in Olette, especially when the building was being renovated. The Windsor Star was moving in upstairs. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a period of time, we were open air. If you looked up at the ceiling, there was about uh, maybe six inches, eight inches for a couple of weeks uh, during the summer birds could actually fly into the studio. We had a few uh, bird visitors during the broadcast. <laughs> we couldn't keep them. It's like a Zeller's store, you know. You, every now and then a bird, a bird gets in and lives in there. They're living their entire life yeah. in the rafters up there. That happened uh, downtown as well. A lot of fun. I, I remember, because uh, I came on board with you guys at 2010-ish, and, uh, you know, one of the things working with the cast was just how not tight it was, but unique the, the Olette and University Station was. And then I would blow in like the like the summer wind and then blow out because, as you know, I was burned in the candle at 50 different ends. Um, but I remember when we started to get creative with the community segments that we were doing, I was like, okay, well, we want to do a food segment. And I remember, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know that. They thought that we were in a total separate room, like yes. we were Fox 2 News or something down the hall with like our own. And I'm literally feet, like when we were in the Bell Building, Jim, you know, like Adriano, and I would be cooking with whoever, sneaking around, trying not to interrupt. And we were feet away from the anchor desk. You were. Cooking something. And then when we were on Olette and University, I'd be out on the street with Chef Rob Catherine, great guy. And, you know, we've got one of those those uh, college 
burners cooking on in the on the middle of the street trying to whip up something as people are walking by so you know it was we did the best that we could and i think we made it happen you know well uh, i'm a big fan of italian as you probably know and uh, i loved it when you were cooking with garlic uh, on the set as you say you were almost an arm's length away you could have prepared a dish and handed it over to me uh we always viewers always joke about smell-o-vision uh, certainly, if we had smell of vision in those days, uh, we would uh, we'd be sharing that kitchen smell with the viewers. I see something about Fight Like Mason there on the screen. That's terrific. Nice. nice yeah, to see that he, Ian uh, says here from Fight Like Mason, who's been on the show many times. He's a good personal friend of our families. Um, him and his beautiful wife Chantel. Uh, we always loved hearing Jim speak about our Mason so well. Lovely. We were always honored to have you share some of our story to Windsor Essex. So much love. Thank you, you Ian and Chantel. I can't. Uh, we haven't met personally, but I can't tell you how much I admire you as parents. The courage you have had, and uh, sadly, my mother lost uh, lost my brother uh, when he was a young man, not a child but a young man, and I know the difference in the, the challenge it made in our family. I admire Chantel and Ian for carrying on, uh, doing much more than carrying on, bringing this wonderful foundation to the public attention and seeming to have uh, endless energy to, uh, whether it's uh, special polls they take into the hospitals and uh, the, the little things they do to keep children animated and entertained while they're waiting for special treatment. I think it's wonderful. And uh, this is what Windsor and Essex is all about. Uh, again, we're, we're very privileged as broadcasters to be able to bring these stories to you. But we're not the story. The story is people like Ian and Chantel and Fight Like Mason. That's the story. That's the content. That's the uh, real emotion. It's funny. It's, um, you know, I've always said things come full circle, right? And you never know who in your life will intersect you down the road and what connections you make at the point to kind of bring you to that point. And I remember it's 2016, um, we started to, I mean, we didn't start the coverage, but we really had a lot of coverage about um, Mason's journey. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, my God, like what a, what a, um, what a journey for his parents, Ian and Chantel. And then lo and behold, Liam, my son, ended up being a recipient of one of the power poles as we got him home from sick kids. And that's how we became friends with Ian and Chantel, Carrie and I. But, um, you know, we it, you're right. Windsor Essex is such a connected community. And I, I think when you have somebody I know who, especially like you, who is so involved with the Windsor community and you still are, um, you got all these different events that are coming back up and, you know, organizations. I know the Multicultural Council um, had you doing some, um, Herb Gray stuff over the last little bit, which is great to see because I think people, I have said to people, I go, you know, you take a look at news people and anchors. I don't think there's anybody in the region who has that commitment to what our community is about and gave so freely of their time than you, because I know that was important to you to get into the community. Well, again, I'm going to jump in and I think of Cam Gardner, Wayne Stevens, People like that, uh, that, that uh, showed me the way, that knew the market long before I was part of it. And uh, Cam sadly is gone. Wayne and I are friends and we break bread periodically. But uh, uh, these are the guys that did the telethons, uh, that made the public appearances. And the wheel turns. And it was my turn to step in, uh, just as it's Stephanie's turn to step in and step up now. Uh, my time, it's not over, but... Uh, what you talk about is is something that I was privileged to be able to do for 20 years. And I still, as you mentioned, plan to be active in the community, but not in the same way, not on the front lines, if you will. Uh, front lines reporting, not the front lines doing. There's a big difference between talking about something and doing. And I'm very 
uh, respectful of that difference. Jim Crichton is my guest here on the show tonight. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my good friend, Mr. Ron Dano of Bob Peddler Real Estate. Ron is a 37 plus year vet and a shout out to Ron as well for sponsoring this particular show. I know Ron is a big fan of Jim and uh, Ron is ready to hear from you. 37 plus years in the business. Thank you to Mr. Ron Dano from Bob Peddler Real Estate for sponsoring tonight's show. Um, oh God, so much activity i think though in the region over the last little bit i know you still follow the news and you've you've heard the different announcements that's been coming through the pipe for windsor essex from the battery plant to uh some investment finally some significant investment what's your take on all of that jim in terms of you know for us being an automotive uh region and 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 how do you feel about the the future of the windsor area well uh, i like to say i'm bullish on the, the the market and uh again i don't want to live in the past I'm not a big fan of electric cars. I, I like piston engine cars. I like conventionally powered cars, though I recognize they've been with us for over 100 years. They've had a good run. But I had a great chat with Eric Kazmierczak, uh, member of parliament, uh, when the Herb Gray Awards night was over a little while ago. And uh, we were having a conversation not unlike the, the one that you and I are having. And I just sounded a note of caution. My, this is my concern. I notice now that government support of things like the automotive industry is conditional on the fact that everything's electric, electric, electric. That's all well and good, but let's not throw out what we're, we're doing right now. Let's not forget that uh, people are still buying conventional cars. I don't want the government to force these on us. Uh, I think that uh, time will bring that uh, to fruition. Uh, I don't think, I, I don't think that uh, cars as we know them are, are entirely gone, but I don't like the government setting the agenda. I would rather see the marketplace uh, dictate. And my fear is that pretty soon we won't be able to buy non-electric cars because they won't be making them anymore. Uh, you know, you'll hear, uh, and I don't, I don't mean to be negative here, but I, 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 I want to be realistic. Uh, we hear sure. talk about three full shifts returning to Windsor Assembly. Of course, we hope that's true. But I would say that's dependent on the public's acceptance of electric cars. If they sell three full shifts of electric cars, then there'll be three full shifts at Windsor Assembly. If those cars aren't selling, uh, there won't be that many people working there. Uh, I've no doubt that there's an electric car in somebody's future. I don't think it'll be in mine. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I had this conversation with some folks too um, over the last little bit and certainly in the last week. Um, you know, I look at it from a two-pronged approach instead of just, you know, like you drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, on this announcement. I'm happy that this is coming. It's, I think we both agree this is a lot like investment like this is a long time coming for the region. Um, I, I worry that and I don't think this is going to be the case, but I go back to you remember back in 2012 when wind turbines were going to be it. And, uh, you know, there was that significant investment. I mean, you drive down the EC Row Expressway. I was out there today, Jim. And I look at the former CS Wind, but you can you can fire a cannonball through that place. Now, there's nothing there. And I remember that we were hedging our bets on that. I mean, to the point where when we were doing radio shows in the morning, we were doing traffic reports because the turbines are getting transported on the Easy Row Expressway. And that was going to be it. Wind turbine was going to be it. And lo and behold, here we are 10 years after the fact. And that is not the case. Um, you know, so that investment kind of came and went. So I'm, I'm cautious about that. And then from the flip side of it, the timeline, I was saying to somebody in terms of the real estate market right now, Jim, it's like, it, it, we got two years to get this thing up and running. And I, I hope to God the infrastructure is there. I, I, I want it to be there. And then you got to think about the people who are going to be coming to these plants. It's like, 
you know, uh, all the spinoff jobs, which are great. We just need to have that infrastructure in place to facilitate, hopefully, the influx of people coming into the region. Oh, I think, so I think we will. I'm not worried about that aspect. I believe that we have the wherewithal and the talent to make that happen. So I'm not negative in the least about that. I'm not worried about whether we'll have enough power to power these plants. I see that as coming. It's just I'm concerned about what the marketplace is doing. And I, I, I'm a believer in the, the, the free marketplace. And I think it should be allowed to do its thing with, with gentle guidance, if you will, but not with a heavy hand of government. Lorraine comments here on Facebook and she says, Jim, you are part of the story. The evening news was always a part of our daily routine. I remember when our daughter, probably seven years old now, running home with excitement because Mr. Jim Crichton was at her school <laughs> that day. I, uh, I, I give you kudos because I, you know, when people say, well, I think when you were asked, I think well, many of us were asked to do these school appearances and, and, you know, we enjoyed doing them, but, um, quite often it was a great way to get into the schools, but there are so many of them. And I, I know you enjoyed doing them. I know you enjoyed, you know, getting involved with Windsor Regional, which you still do. Um, and, and that was a source of joy for you as well. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. And I do love reading to children in school. And if I only do one more uh, type of public appearance, it'll be that. I was at, uh, I can't remember what school it was. It was in uh, Windsor uh, 10, 15 years ago. And the teacher greeted me warmly. I was introduced to the students, but I noticed I had been referred to as Michael, Michael several times. Michael Crichton is here. Michael Crichton is here. And sometimes these um, uh, assemblies and book fairs bring authors, of which I am not. Anyway, it dawned on me, and don't this sounds far-fetched, but it's not. I think <laughs> the instructor thought that I was Michael Crichton, the guy that wrote Jurassic Park. <laughs> and, and I think, and I love dinosaurs, and I can talk about them all day, though not with quite the same authority as the late author, I, who is no immediate relation of mine, though the name is pronounced the same way and spelled the same way. And fun fact, uh, quite incidentally, my wife and I have just rounded off uh, five nights of watching uh, Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost oh. World. Uh, I, I've forgotten the titles of the most recent ones. But anyway, there's five episodes done through the years. And uh, Jeff Goldblum is my favorite. I love him as uh, the chaos scientist, Dr. Ian, you know. And my late brother's name was Ian, too, so... Uh, so that registers with me. But I'm a fan of kind of dinosaur science fiction. But I think this teacher must have thought that that was me. Uh, it, was not, it was not me. It was not nearly that exciting. Uh, I think I read The Cat in a Hat that day, but not Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, not Jurassic Park to the fourth, <laughs> to the fourth graders, eh? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, and, and that's one of the things, too. I, I think a lot of people, when we were working the gig together, I mean, I, how many times did we were like blockbuster video? I remember our old news director dan appleby used to joke around with us because i'd come in with a sack of dvds i'm like hey jim have you seen these and then you'd come in and we'd do the exchange and i think movies for us was uh you know i we respected sports i think i i'm not a sports guy i'm not you know, either. Go watch a tigers game we talked about that have a couple of beers but i think for us it was it was going to the theater and seeing a good flick and and talk. i know we're both big james bond guys too right well, I remember, uh, you remember Michael Michalski? Michael worked at the station a number of years yep. ago, and he's now with Ford uh, in public relations. But uh, there was at least two James Bond movies that came out, uh, and they were premiered at the, was it the Capitol? I'm trying to remember. There was a movie theater in downtown Windsor, uh, basically where the Windsor Star uh, building has the been. The Palace. Palace, I beg your pardon. Yes, it was yep. the Palace. Palace, yep. Yep. And they did uh, midnight screenings of two of the James Bond movies. And that was, I mean, we were in heaven. We finished the late news around 1140, uh, tidied our desks and uh, slipped down to the uh, 
refreshment stand, and then we were watching Bond till around two thirty in the morning. And I know you're a Bond guy, and so am I. Love and Bond. Uh, we both love Sean Connery. Look, there's some, there's a lot of great Bonds out there. Daniel Craig is a great Bond. Yes. But, uh, but I think you and I, I think I'm right in saying this. Sean Connery is Bond. Sean, listen, I, I, I was funny. I dusted off. I remember I, I lent you these. I was going through them the yeah. other day. I, when I had a rare minute before Olivia was born, I, uh, I, I, I still have my, my, my media outside of my streaming, like you, and I, I have my James Bond collections, and I put in uh, Goldfinger, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is such a – it's a period piece, but it's, it's almost like a time capsule to, like, the 60s when it was – just a different vibe. And you've got Sean Connery just with his swagger and the way and the over the top villains who are just on on the borderline of just doing being pure theatrics and, and you know, uh, Oric Goldfinger stealing the gold supply from Fort Knox. And I'm like, they don't make movies like this anymore. It was it was phenomenal to watch. Well, Thunderball is they're all great. But Thunderball is my personal favorite uh, with the Aston Martin and uh, the baddie chasing Bond with an old Ford Fairlane uh, with machine guns and then. Uh, then somebody on a BSA uh, rocket motorcycle tearing up uh, behind the, the, the no good Nick and, and sending them, uh, dispatching them to a ditch. Uh, you know, it was uh, an evil villain like Natasha, the evil Natasha, you know, from Boris and, and Rocky. Uh, just, just great escapist fare. Maybe a little too long. That movie was a little too long. There was too many underwater scenes for my liking. I, I would have trimmed it. I, my director's cut would have made it about 15 minutes shorter. But uh, apart from that, great uh, NATO aircraft. They had a Vulcan taking off. And, you know, in addition to being a movie, a lot of this is historical footage now. There's not, they're not flying Vulcans anymore, to the best of my knowledge. And those great, I love old cars. I love movies that are set in Britain, especially in the Cold War period. So that delivered on so many levels. And, of course, you had the exotic uh, Jamaican locations, uh, because that's where Ian Fleming wrote most of these books. But... Uh, uh, here's how much I like Bond. Uh, I had them all on VHS. Then I had them on DVD. And like yourself, I've uh, switched over to Blu-ray in the past couple of years. Haven't thrown anything out, mind you, as my wife would uh, be quick to add. Uh, I don't know the last time I popped uh, Goldfinger into the VHS machine, but it's still there in case we need to. <laughs> the classics, man. It's I love Sean Connery as Bond. He's just it's just to me it was just the style and everything about it was just incredible. Um speaking about incredible, uh you know, over the years we we go of work that you've done for the community, whether it's MCing, being involved, um lending your MC talents uh over the years and one of the events that you consistently did work for uh was uh something called the Negev dinner. And uh, this is something I know through the years when we were working together, I remember I'd say, hey, what are you up to tonight? Oh, I'm, I'm going out to after the show's done. I'm going to go host this. And uh, I'm happy to say. Here, instead of you hosting, you are going to be the one that they are going to be celebrating with your career in broadcast. Well, I, I am deeply honored, uh, Arms. Uh uh, I was not expecting this at all, and, and there's a big difference between being a master of ceremonies and being an honoree, and uh, certainly it was not an expectation I had that I would ever be honored in such a fashion, but this is an honor uh, to both Pat, uh, Patricia, my wife, and myself, and we get to support, uh, in, in getting behind this project, a terrific center for the performing arts in northern Israel. It is called the Clore Center. And uh, this appealed to me, Arms, when, when I was working with the JNF, uh, there was a number of projects that could benefit from the special evening 
that you've referred to. It's coming up June 26th at the Bloom and Gardener, by the way. Um, this Chlor Center brings together young people, Arab, Jew, and Druze, uh, in song and dance, music, and the belief is one that I subscribe to, that uh, music and performing arts uh, begat fellowship. And when we're talking, when we're performing together, we're cooperating. Uh, we're positive-minded for the future together. And I think that we need some constructive, uh, especially in today's world, some constructive mm -hmm. efforts. So if this is a, a project that's close to us, and I'm pleased to say that the the proceeds from the special evening will support the Chlor Center. And uh, I'm a, a supporter of the State of Israel. Uh, I believe in what they stand for. Uh, the people I have met are wonderful and warm. And uh, the appeal they made to me was just one that, that could not be denied. And I felt that I'd been treated properly in every way, but they said, we want to do a special celebration uh, in, in light of uh, what you've had the chance to do for the community. And I will acknowledge the pandemic kind of changed things. Perhaps there was not a, I was not asking for any more, but there was not a, if you will, a kind of a public celebration uh, at the time I departed. That was okay with me, but this is, will be a very dig dignified but fun affair uh, on June 26th at the Bloom and Gardener, and it will bring together friends, family, business associates uh, for a night of fellowship, uh, camaraderie, and uh, good works, if you will. I know I sat down with, uh, and I was happy when the JNF uh, group reached out to me to get involved. I said, I said, you don't even have to ask, sign me up. I'm happy to uh, lend some of my social media reach and 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 help where I can. And uh, one of those conversations I had was from with our former employers over at Bell and saying, uh, you know, again, you know, you're not one to have a lot of fanfare at all. But I said, you know, I think for a lot of folks who who want to be a part of uh, the celebration of what Jim is. Um, this is an opportunity for our, uh, you know, Bell to come on board. And I know they've graciously come on board and, and you know, helping the project is along as well through CTV and CKLW. So um, it, it's going to be a good night. And uh, I know uh, Gary Archibald will be there. Several VIPs will be there as well. Um, I believe Mark Katzman is going to be the... Yes, uh, Mark, uh, Mark is, uh, is a great friend, uh, supporter through his law firm of the television station. I still refer to it as our, you know, I'm not there anymore, but uh, I, emeritus, I guess. But uh, Mark, I was delighted. I signed up when I heard that Mark was going to be the MC. Great sense of humor, very dry. It's going to be a great night. So for those who are thinking about coming out that night, I assure you we're going to eat very well. The location is wonderful. I have some stories to tell. Uh, I think I can hold my own that night, but Mark's going to seal the deal with his sense of humor. It's going to be a lot of fun. You want to be there. So if people want to find out more information about this, you can certainly message me directly on Facebook. I can happy to set you up to contact uh, JNF about uh, grabbing tickets for this. Or you can go to my website to armsboomandlag.com. Just surf on over to the website. You can uh, find links to find out a little bit more about this. And then that's happening again on Sunday, the 26th of June uh, um, for the Negev dinner that is going to honor Mr. Jim Crichton. Arms, I want to acknowledge your, your effort here because you have put together the mailing list. You've reached out and... We all have uh, areas where we're strong. I am not, uh, you know, if I brought something to the broadcast, so be it. But I wasn't always good at uh, getting the word out. Uh, I remember I was doing something in another capacity and somebody said, let your people know. Let your, I said, my people? I have no people. You know, I, the people <laughs> that I have are our viewers. They're moms and dads. They're grandparents. They're trade unionists. They are loyal viewers, most of whom I don't know and will never meet. Those are my people. Uh, I don't pick up a Rolodex and call those people because they number in the uh, uh, mercifully a few thousand. So, 
Well, I'm happy to. You got people. You got me. Right. Yes, so I that's do. why uh, you say you can call my publicist. And that's I, I love it. I mean, Jim's we publicist. Had, yeah, we what, what did I help people. out? We got the right people. You got the, the right people. <laughs> that's right. You got little heart social on your side. That's it. Uh, so, yeah, if people want to find out more information, it's going to be a great night. You can certainly give me a message here on Facebook, too. Hey, speaking of music, I would be remiss if I did not talk about with a few minutes left to get here in the show with you about your passion for music. And I, I, I didn't understand the vibe that you have for music and certainly good music um, until the, the many times I remember our first St. Patrick's Day together. Uh, and, and, and some of the, the guys from Tartan Army were there. I think it was at the Kildare oh, yes. House. Kit, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and I just, it was the vibe that you gave. Like, they were they, they were playing some of the traditional Celtic stuff, but they were going into some of the 60s stuff, like British Beat 66. I know we've done events with them, too. Um, you love that sound, right? That Motown sound, some of that classic rock sound that, you know, many would say is that music from eras gone by. Well, if it's, if it's good, it's good. And I like country as well, if it's good country. There's a lot of dreck, but there's a lot of great country. Uh, I am a classic music fan, classical music fan. I love jazz as well. Winston Marcellus was really my introduction to that. Weather Report. Uh, smooth jazz. Met Alexander Zanjic. Uh, was at several of his jazz festivals. But I like straight-ahead jazz. I like um, Coltrane, uh, Monk, uh, Miles Davis, of course. Don't pretend to be an expert at it, but know what I like. Uh, Beatles will always be number one with me. Doesn't mean that I only listen to the Beatles. Hold them in a special place. Keep them on a special shelf. Uh, normally at the start of the new year, the first thing I try to put on is uh, Abbey Road. Uh, get into the Beatles. Uh, but I love the, the Stones are great. The Kinks. The Who. Uh, so much great uh, classic rock um, that that we live through. And I, and I think people of my generation, and I'm older than you, obviously, uh, a friend of mine put it this way. He said, Jim, you know, when all is said and done, we got to look back. He said, we had the best music, the best cars, and the best hair. <laughs> I'm not sure I have the best hair anymore, but... but oh, come open. on. Yeah. You you got the best cars, for sure. Yeah, I, and yeah. I would say the music was just... on like, I, And that was the other thing I think we bonded over through the years, is this, I, lo I love that music too, right? I mean, I'm not so much a country music guy, but I... I the, when the Motown sound of the sixties mm -hmm. and like that was my jam. I used to take listen when I had my noon radio show. This is a fun fact about Jim and I. I know Jim would be great. Jim Jim would listen to the show and he would text me. And you know, I, I at that point I was able to play my own music on the show. And I wouldn't go for you know I would play some of the top forty stuff, whatever. But I would find some deep cuts. I'd find some stuff like Bobby Blue, uh, the Bobby Blue Bland. Uh, yes, excellent. You know, uh, I play that and I play a deep cut for that, or I play some some of. Uh, Oh, geez. I mean, uh, the list goes on of it. Like, you know, the four tops, anything like that, some really deep stuff. And I would just wait for the text from Jim and Jim would be like, oh, that's great. And then I'd be like, oh, like, and I, we'd go back and forth. And I, it's something about that music was just so impactful. And you could tell it was so emotionally wrote, like, like, like it had that, that, that feeling when these people were performing it uh, and it permeated through the airwaves. I, I think about Marvin Gaye. I think about songs like Hitchhike, such a great song. Uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, if I could build my whole build my whole world around you, they aren't writing them like that anymore. Uh, this was a golden time. Thank heavens we can still listen to it. Thank heavens we still have radio stations that'll play it like 580. Uh, I can't get enough of it. Still sounds good to these ears. Especially when you're driving the, uh, the, the, the one of the old cars around, right? It's just, it just brings you back to, 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 to a, a time, I think, where 
I don't want to say life was simpler, but it was it was fun. Things were fun. Here, here's a joke that I've had with Mike and Lisa on AM 800. Uh, uh, trying to remember Mike uh, Mike's favorite group. You know what I'm talking about here. Um, oh, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis, yeah. Huey Lewis, yeah. I forget that. Anyway, he goes on about Huey Lewis. But in the same way, I talk about Boston. And, and you know, I'd come on and they'd say, what's your favorite song? And I'd say, More Than a Feeling by Boston. And they'd say, really? That's the greatest song in rock? I'd say, absolutely. But it's a power ballad. It's a great song. So we couldn't live without anything. I love the Beatles, but I couldn't live without Boston, More Than a Feeling. Listen to Tom Schultz on that guitar and playing through that little amplifier he developed in his basement when he was working at MIT. Just classic rock. I remember hearing um, uh, Don Imus uh, on WNBC in New York many, many years ago, right around 1980. And he, he introduced the Eagles one morning. It was Hotel California, which is a great song. But anyway, Don, like a great DJ, is talking up to the music. And he said, the greatest music in the history of vinyl, the Eagles, you know. What was that the, was that the greatest song in the history of vinyl? It sure sounded like it when Don Imus said it. So that's what I think about when I say something like more than a feeling. Because it's a great cartoon. You're driving along. you got the windows down. The engine's thumping. That big six in the Pacer, the big eight in the Chrysler, uh, listening to the radio, pumping out some classic rock. It adds to the experience. It, it surely does. When you talk about, actually, your favorite bands, like for, for me, and we talked about this, I mean, Mr. Phil Collins for yeah. me. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, I know he's he's at a point Terrific. right now where I don't he's going to be performing anytime soon. And I say to Carrie, that's one of my biggest regrets, is not, actually not seeing him live. But um, for me, it's in the air tonight. It's that, yeah, that right. whole Don Johnson, the windows down on a hot summer's night. And, Miami Vice uh, music. Yep. Oh, that's that's for me. I just I you know, it's funny. We I was playing it in the car the other day when I was driving to Liam to preschool. He's like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, this is music, son." Well, even <laughs> this is this is good music. <laughs> even something like "Invisible Touch" by Genesis. I mean, that is Phil oh. Collins through and through. I mean, that is a great song. There's just we can't live without any of them. We need them all. It's all in the pantheon of rock. And you're reminded of a great song, something you might not have heard in years, and it'll, it'll drop on the radio and say, "Oh, that's so good." So good. And we, we've got the best of it here. As you know, we've got great radio stations in the Windsor, Detroit market. We've got, this is one of the best radio TV markets in the world, if not the best. And I mean that sincerely, not because I worked in it. I was lucky enough to work in it. You worked in it. Uh, great market, great personalities, great, great music. And great because of people like yourself. So I just wanted to say again, uh, on behalf of everybody in Windsor, thank you for everything that you continue to do for being a voice of, uh, I'd say, calmness and a reassurance for, for folks, you know, digesting. Because as people know, Jim, you know, the news, as you know, is sometimes a hard pill to swallow. And uh, I think when they had somebody at the helm driving the ship, again, uh, it made it that much more um, tolerable for people to understand. So um, I just want to thank you again, my man, for coming, one, coming on the show, two, being a great guy, and three, just being you. Thank you, Arms. This was a lot of fun. Great to be part of the project. You know, the first project was the Alan Parsons project. Parsons. <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> the next project is the Arms Boom and Lag project. Arms Boom and Lag project. My, it was funny when I when Carrie's like, you got to think of a name for your show. And I'm like, okay. So I look at somebody and I know we like like a Joe Rogan. Not that I would ever want to be like a Joe Rogan where the guy's huge, like just massive views. But I'm like, okay, so he's got his first last name in something. So I'm like, uh, 
I mean, how about, it's a project. This is a passion project for me. It's something I do because I love to do it. And she goes, ah, I don't know. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm like, when I'm like, somebody's going to call it the Allen Park. Jim says the Allen Park. <laughs> we hit it on the first year. Great. Uh, you, 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 just like a, a book, you, you got to have a great cover. You got a great uh, handle for the show and a great host. Uh, there's so many comments rolling in here for Mr. Jim Crichton. Uh, Rebecca, I loved hearing you talk about your favorite tunes. Uh, Mike you, Chase Rebecca. says, great broadcast, gents. Uh, you know, Peggy saying, loved hearing you and Jim talk about Bond movies. Oh, Bond. Uh, you know, <laughs> Richard sums it up just like the good old days. So God bless you, buddy. I will be in touch uh, as always. And uh, again, thank you for spending a little bit of time. Please say hi to Pat for me, okay? I do. And Carrie. Thank you, Arms. Good night. Good night. Mr. Jim Crichton, what a great guy, amazing broadcaster, even better friend, and uh, certainly a staple of Windsor News for so many years. Uh, more comments about Jim. Uh, Rebecca saying, hey, fabulous night. Yes, I think so too. Um, just a great guy and uh, really somebody who cares about the Windsor-Essex area. Uh, the Negev dinner, by the way, if you are wondering, uh, you can get tickets for this too. A lot of people messaging me privately saying, hey, what's up with this? You can just go to my website too, Arms Boom and Leg. Dot com. All the information is there for you. If you'd like to be a part of the uh, night, should be a wonderful evening on the 26th. Um, Cheryl says, hey, love this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Betty says, great chat. Gentlemen, thank you for some very fond memories, right? It was good times. Good times with a great guy, Mr. Jim Crichton, for the first anniversary show here on the Arms, Boom and Leg Project. Okay, folks, that's going to do it for this particular program. We are back again next week. We're going to be talking to... Uh, an amazing organization that does some great work here in the Windsor-Essex community. Uh, fantastic fathers. Uh, Seth Hootie Pere uh, Pereira and uh, Steve Brown are going to join me on the show to talk a little bit about what they do, some of the initiatives that they have. And then stay tuned this week. Uh, we've got some amazing news happening for this particular program. Um, I'm really excited to announce what's going to be for, I guess, the next several months on this show. Uh, leading us into 2023. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of resources to do this particular program, and um, it's good news. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later on this week. In the meantime, make sure to send me your weather photos. I still do your local forecast seven days a week. Uh, send your weather photos to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can tag me at Arms Boom and Lag, or you can send me those photos in Facebook Messenger or Instagram, and we will get them on the air. And don't forget, we are continuing to sell arms women like project mugs and just yes jim has one i brought him a mug personally uh these mugs do some good in windsor essex 100 of the proceeds go to benefit the windsor essex county humane society and the ronald mcdonald house at windsor regional hospital 20 dollars, and they are being brought to you by my good friends over at hag customs in amherstburg ontario so if you want to get more information on that again armswomenleg.com is my website check it out sign up for my newsletter it's all there armswomenleg.com that's going to do it for this edition of The Project. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you back here next week. Same time, same channel.